Hello and welcome to a special Culture File Weekly with me, Luke Clancy, and this time I'm welcoming you to a presentation we're calling the Culture File Slow Remix with Woodsman Aubrey Fennell. This week and next week, we're going to slowly track Aubrey into his tree-filled existence, a world where oaks and elms are friends and family, where a rookery is a beloved chorus, and any attempt to fell an old survivor, an assault on us all. My name is Aubrey Fennell, I'm from the Tree Register of Ireland and yeah. what I do is I measure and photograph trees yeah. and we have a data database in the Botanic Gardens of all of our significant trees. Mm -hmm. What made me pause and call in here was your wonderful beech tree here Yeah. and I was wondering if I could measure and photograph it. Yeah, I think it should be alright, but just let me ask, there's one of the sisters in here who looks after the, the, the garden. garden, so just hold on a second. Like, can I give you my her? card? This is oh, what yes. I do uh -huh. and uh, this is... This is my name. This mm -hmm. is my phone number. The last really big storm we had here was in 97, Christmas Eve, and um, before that, 1974, but the Christmas Eve storm was uh, tremendous. Um, about 15 large trees came down. We were blocked in for about two weeks here. Uh, one of our trees fell into our neighbor's property, and we had to get a crane to lift it out. And uh, hopefully, that I won't see that again in my lifetime, but I know that probably is another one around the corner. The trees are very old. So they're getting towards many of the species like beech and uh, lime are quite vulnerable when they get to that age to wind throw. Oaks and uh, sycamores, they can hang on for another 100 or 200 years with a bit of luck. 
uh, I can understand, you know, I, I can't get upset when trees fall down because of great age and of, of a massive storm. What upsets me is obviously is the carelessness of people who remove trees without a care or a thought. And, uh, and that's what upsets me. Every tree um, is a loved one and, uh, and to make people appreciate because they can be gone in five minutes and uh, it's so easy to remove them that they might have been there for 500 years. I was reared and brought up in a, a Palatine in County Carlow in an old sort of dower house to an old estate. Now the estate was broken up like so many others after uh, independence and back in the 1920s it was all subdivided up into um, amongst local farmers and the trees cut down and the big house removed um, which is so typical of so many places around the country but where I lived it was a much smaller house um, and we, my father bought into it in the 1950s he had a great uh, love of nature himself I think I got that from him he was very protective of his trees. While he didn't plant any, he protected what he had and what he could. And I remember my dad, after a big storm in the early 60s, where um, the council came along and issued a summons to have all the roadside trees removed, and he said to um, over my dead body, and he'd send them off with a shotgun if they come near our trees. So he obviously um, loved trees, and... Um, I'm very protective of my trees, um, but I protect them by looking after them, giving them space, planting them out, and very often trees can be overprotected. Um, I mean, trees have been doing this for hundreds of millions of years, and it's only we might have one or two fertilities in big storms, and we might have, uh, and so on. But I think it's um, this is the price we have to pay for nature on our doorstep. It's an old sort of a gentleman's residence, and um, which got a bit of land which was divided up by the land commission added to it. And uh, so you have some parkland and uh, an old Georgian house here. It dates from 1822. My father then, after getting mar uh, married in 1959, I came along in 1960, and it's been our home since then. Some may think should, uh, I should really cut it back each year, but I, like, um, I think of it as a treehouse, really, because there's so much vegetation growing on it, I have no heart to cut it back. The trees outside are straight in front of me, uh, sweet chestnuts and old oaks, um, some pretty massive, and um, dating from when the time the house was built in 1822. I've, trees which have fallen, I've um, ring-counted them, and they were all planted the year after, 1823. And uh, my father's family all moved from the other side of the river on the leash side and uh, they were up on top of the hill about four generations ago and with each generation they came down the hill to, um, and did sort of better and became sort of like strong farmers and they're all down on the lowlands these days.
First of all, they were my playground. From the age of five, I was climbing 80 feet up into the into the Tuya Placatus, western red cedars, which surround our garden, big sort of evergreens from the North America. Tree houses built everywhere. By the time I was about eight or nine, I was winning prizes at primary school for my collection of bark and leaves and flowers and so on. Trees were not my only interest. Hedgerows, flowers, butterflies, um, rocks and minerals on, on the soil. I'm a compulsive, obsessive collector of such uh, things and of facts. Uh, having attempted uh, hotel management and thought that this is more like slave labour than, than a real job, um, I became a tree surgeon. So it all sort of started there. One day when I was about 18 or 19, I removed a, a branch which was from a tree which was in the way on the pathway. And I cut that branch and then I started cutting another one. And uh, I kept going and for three months I never stopped. So shortly afterwards I became a tree surgeon and um, it was as simple as that. For, for, for likely trees and wonderful exotic trees. I can tell the size of a tree from about a mile away in the same way that a farmer could tell the, the weight of a bullock from two fields away. So I developed that sort of um, instinct for, for where um, there were likely to be good trees. So many European tree species were lost um, during the Ice Age simply because they had nowhere to retreat to. In America all the mountains run from north to south so they could retreat down the backbone of the, um, of the Rockies and down into Mexico where they, for a few thousand years until the weather climbed and warmed up again. In Europe, all our, so many of our tree species were lost because they came up against the barriers of the Pyrenees and the Alps which all run from east to west. So they, had, they weren't able to climb over the mountains and retreat down into Spain and to North Africa or the Mediterranean in the same way as, the, as trees could do in North America or in China. Himalayas were a great barrier. In fact, the great hotspot of trees would be in southeast China and where they were able to survive during interglacial, um, during the ice ages. 
things that it um, impelled me to start measuring trees is I'd just broken up with my girlfriend and I was at a loss of what am I going to do next. So maybe this is not good advice for any other would-be tree measures because it can totally consume you. You forget about um, dating when, you, um, when you've got trees to sort of uh, drive you forward and to look for the biggest and the tallest. and It's a way... I've been travelling all my life. My curiosity has never been stilled. sort of knotted sort of um, trunk of a tree which has had sort of been infested with some sort of insect which has um, for example the um, sprout trees um, have these um, sprouts which are there ready to if something happens to the tree if it dies back or if it's actually been nibbled at by um, grazing animals these new shoots come bursting out and they create sort of knots of timber around them in circles and whirls and so on, creating these wonderful patterns that wood turners um, love. And so I have here in my hand an example of such a bowl made out of, um, uh, of a beech um, tree. So you have both the grain of the wood and you also have these sort of... Um, where the tree, these lines have appeared because it's fungal sort of decay and uh, so giving it sort of extraordinary sort of whirls and of markings. So decay can also be turned into something which is very beautiful. I have here also a section of uh, yew wood. Now this is a cross section of a branch which um, comes from the Glencormac yew. Now Glencormac is at Kilmacanog, Avoca hand weavers in County Wicklow, and this is a magnificent um, old knotted sort of yew. And this stump came from about 20 feet up, a dead stump, probably been there dead for about 100 years, in which tree surgeons were busy sort of cleaning. And so I asked them to um, to cut a piece off for me, and I had a plane down. And it's only about it's about the size of a dinner plate, and yet there are 170, it's 163 rings. So. Um, it just shows you how slowly you grows and it's, it's a cross-section of a branch which is only the size of a dinner plate. This is 
This is the way, and this is something by bring, drawing attention to trees that we appreciate them, that we don't associate them with the big house. Um, there is sort of that ambiguity in Ireland about trees and um, and what they represent, but I think we've got over that by now, hopefully, and um, that we can enjoy them for what they truly are. This is our heritage, this is our legacy, and it's up to us to um, to look after and protect them and, and to plan and plant for the future, for further generations to come. So what did people think they represented? Well, I'll just give you an example. Burton Hall Wood, which we will visit, hopefully, um, I have records, I'm very into local history, and I have records of children being fined two or three shillings or imprisoned for a week for collecting kindling within this wood. This is owned by the local landlord. And obviously, um, so you can imagine that people who are starving or hungry, or in this case, um, cold, um, were finding that uh, the big house, the landlord, would go to great efforts to protect what he considered his and um, and they would pay the penalty for for daring to um, to gather kindling to stay warm or to the, to heat the food um, so you can imagine that's, that's only three or four or five generations ago i mean this um, so this association with with the um, with the anglo irish or with the um, the ascendancy class um, has been slow to disappear. So when these estates were broken up um, back in the late 19th century and uh, in a time of great change and, and great ownership of land and the land commission since the setting up of the estate, the first thing they did was remove the trees. First of all, you can instantly make money and obviously they were dividing up the into smaller units and uh, there wasn't enough room for trees and um, so we have lost our great tree heritage but slowly but surely we can um, we, we're replacing those trees for the future
just outside my window here we have a rookery couple of hundred rooks' nests. I mean, where would they go if they didn't have trees to build up? I think they're the most intelligent creatures. Um, I get great um, fun watching them coming in, especially in August or September, coming in from our neighbours' uh, corn crops after filling their guts. They don't tend to eat our own corn, which is a great thing. I'm sure our neighbouring farmers are not so happy about it, but they come in at maybe a thousand feet above the trees and then just fold back their wings and just drop like bullets down and and swirl and down into the um, the treetops here, creating a great commotion. And then all our, not only our neighbours' rooks, but also rooks from all over the county of South, of South Kildare and Wicklow and Carlow congregate here in a giant sort of um, roost. So we could get several thousand um, rooks nesting in our trees here but they shut up as soon as sun goes down they were they settle down for the night and i don't hear them in the morning i sleep well um any visitors i have here can't understand how i could put up with them but you what you grew up with them so and i love them just because it doesn't have hit the high notes doesn't mean that it's, it's not doing its best at what it can do. I mean, I'm, my voice is not particularly great, but if I sing in the bath um, to myself, I sound wonderful. Um, I'm sure I'm not a, um, I'm not a Mick Jagger, um, but, you know, uh, I can appreciate my own voice, so I appreciate um, the works in, in the same way. I mean, they're doing the best they can. So I've been busy planting trees here in the front lawn. It's parkland, typical of an old Georgian house where um, we have grazing animals and large trees scattered. And this will be typical of so many places around the country. So we have... So I've been doing it in the last 20 years especially. I've been planting rare and exotic trees and um, planting them out, but having to put fences around them, barbed wire and all sorts of things wasn't doing the work that it was intended to do cattle were still breaking through and trying to murder my beloved trees so I would put electric fences around them and dig trenches from tree to tree, huge job so the cost of trees don't cost much, it's protecting them is what uh, when they're initially small is the biggest um, is the biggest cost stop here we have uh, what is called an oriental plain and it's called um, Platanus uh, orientalis var insularis insularis being island or insular and it actually comes from the high mountains of Crete and that was given to me by Lord Ross of Burr Castle um, I gave him uh, a Chinese pepper tree in exchange so this is it uh, between people who love trees who are all the time exchanging and uh, passing on you know from seed collections I collect seeds um, uh, um, and bring a few acorns home if I was in California I'd bring a few acorns home and um, plant them and with luck um, we 
uh, we have, I can build up a collection of interesting and wonderful trees as the one we're standing beside here. There are various oaks collected and uh, are bought. Uh, my main supplier would be Jan Ravensberg, who's probably the most fantastic um, propagator of unusual trees in Ireland. And um, so I would have, looking back, I would have um, scarlet oaks and, and um, necklace poplars and Hungarian oaks and silver limes from Eastern Europe, red oaks from North America. And as we look around, we have a mature tree, which is rather extraordinary. It's a unique tree. It's a hornbeam. It's now lost its leaves. We were in early December. It's finally lost its leaves. It's been a wondrous uh, autumn, the longest and most beautiful autumn uh, in my lifetime. As we look around, we can see that oak trees are still with, um, holding on to their leaves. But this tree we're looking at is a hornbeam. A hornbeam comes from central Europe up into England. It never got to Ireland. The IRC closed in before it could get here. This tree has got about 500 what look like nests hanging in it and they are in fact witch's broom. I call it a weaver tree, like the weaver birds that create these baskets of nests in, in Africa. And this is like one of those trees except now that the leaves are all gone you can see hundreds upon hundreds of dense what look like nests and this is created by a fungus uh, and which means that shoots um, it starts sprouting um, into little nests of shoots um, all, over the t uh, all over the crown of the tree and which hang down and they are just literally full of leaves and, uh, and, and twigs looking like oh, for all the world like a, a bird's nest but this is just a natural evolution it doesn't harm the tree but this is an extreme example of it I mean, the hornbeam, they are superficially a bit like oak, uh, a bit like beech trees. They have the same sort of colouring, but they have very muscular sort of uh, branches um, twisting and turning and uh, all sort of erupting from a fork at about maybe head height into multiple branches, which sort of sweep up like um, very muscular-like and then sweep over, uh, creating this sort of domed effect. So a very attractive tree. Um, it's not a showstopper, but it does colour well in the autumn, a lovely sort of uh, yellowy gold. One of my pride and joy. You've been listening to a Culture File Slow Remix featuring Aubrey Fennell on the Culture File Weekly and we'll be high up in the canopy again next week as we follow Aubrey Fennell deeper into the woods.